0: and bullet triggers. This is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 84. Today we're going to chat with Dave from Silencer Shop, make a prank call about an unorthodox weapon for self-defense, and talk about the Barrett 50 Cal. Today's panel is Sean Heron and I'm Ava Flanell.
2: Yup, and I'm Super excited! It's Friday. I'm ready for the weekend.
1: It's actually Monday.
2: Dang it! I hate it when it's Monday. When I think it's Friday. Yeah, it's it's actually the worst thing. It's just
1: and it's just so awkward for everyone.
2: I know. Let's let's do an ad read.
1: Okay. You know what? I don't think we've talked about is the Manticore Arms the Bren 805 M Lock forend.
2: Yeah, so I don't know much about Brin's, but I do know Manicore makes parts for them and this one actually looks really good. It's, you know, it replaces the existing Picatinny rail and it's just drop in and puts M-lock on it and kind of updates, upgrades and modernizes the Bren.
1: And it looks really nice too. And it's only 79.95, but if you use that code GUNFUNNY15, that will get you 15% off.
2: Exactly. Go check them out manicorearms.com.
1: You
0: never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: Dave, thank you so much for making the time to meet with us today.
3: Yeah, no problem.
1: So tell us a little bit. I mean, we'll get into silencer shop here shortly, but tell us a little bit about your background, your experience.
3: You know, I, I really come from the tech industry. I spent about 20 years working for Intel, VMware, companies like that, doing low-level software development.
1: Oh, wow. So then what got you into the gun industry?
3: You know, I my my middle son was born 100% deaf in his right ear. So when he started getting old enough to start shooting, I bought a silencer, and the experience was such a mess that I thought I would just help people in the local area do transfers. And it turns out there was more of a demand there than i thought it kind of exploded on me
2: that makes a lot of sense kind of simplifying yeah. complex things uh, is, is oh, a, right. always a bonus what what got you into guns you know i I've, I've
3: been you know, grew up in rural Missouri and have been shooting since i was a kid as an adult i really got into handguns partially cuz i don't know i i guess i just got uh, obsessed with shooting accurately and shooting competition it Anyway, that's what got me into it as
2: an Yeah, totally. That's awesome.
3: Really, I got obsessed with shooting handguns mostly just because I sucked at it. I, it probably sounds dumb. No, <laughs> I not was not shot that. rifles as a kid, but the handguns just kind of sucked me in.
1: Nice.
2: I think, yeah, that actually makes sense. That's kind of how I was too. Handguns were weird, so I felt like a challenge. Yeah. And then shooting competition really helps you kind of develop that craft and skill. Yep. What's, what's your uh, favorite handgun? What's the one you started with and what's the one you use today?
3: You know, I, I started with a Glock, probably like most people, and I kind of migrated through the XDs and currently I'm on the M&Ps. So. My man. It's a, no, nothing fancy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Just the best,
3: only the best for us.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right. <laughs> I love it. So you had this really complex system uh, of suppressors and you wanted to make it better. You had that IT experience. So first off, tell us what is silencer shop and how did that solve that problem?
3: you know i really people don't realize how much of a paperwork company we really are and it's uh and that's really our our primary focus is solving that problem of simplifying the process but as part of that it's tracking it you know managing where every single form is in the process at any given time that there's really a lot more behind the scenes than people realize yeah it's just a huge kind of pain yeah <laughs> We try to take that part of it on. So for customers, it's, uh, it's as easy as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do you think silencer shop changed things?
3: You know, I, I think silencer shop made silencers more accessible
1: mm-hmm. to,
3: to people. And I think, you know, when I first got into this industry, I would call up dealers and they would be mad at us because, you know, they wanted a barrier to entry. If people are going to buy silencers, then it needs to be complex so they know what they're doing. And it's. uh, I think the industry has really changed. I think people have embraced that let's make it as easy as possible mentality.
1: So for people who don't really know what exactly it is that Silencer Shop offers, you essentially are putting kiosks in stores. That's right. And then basically, so can you just like sort of walk us through that process? Like if I were a customer, I walk into a gun store and I'm looking to buy a silencer.
3: Yeah. So So let's say you're a first time buyer. You walk into a walk into a store, you know, talk to the guy behind the counter, buy your silence or pay for it. Then if really a few seconds later, you get a text with a with what we call a kiosk code. It's just a QR code that you scan at the kiosk. So you scan the QR code. Usually it takes about five minutes to submit your fingerprints and other information. And then we kind of take it from there. We print the fingerprints, review your information, make sure all your trust is lined up right before we send it to the ATF. And then once we do, we manage the process. We just kind of offload the whole, the whole paperwork aspect of it.
2: Hmm. Makes sense. Now that wasn't the, the first solution that you guys came up with. That's a, that's a more (laughs) recent one. What was, uh, how did you guys solve the problem at first and, and how did you manage it internally? Uh, I realized that you came from a software background. So I'm sure you kind of put some stuff into place. How did it, how did it start?
3: You know, initially, you know, I, we had these black packets and I say we when it was just me. It's a, and I would send out a, a black packet with a postage Postage paid return envelope and people would sign on the, you know, dotted line and mail it back. And then I'd turn around and I'd review it and I'd mail it to the ATF. And, and it's weird because a lot of the solutions we have in place now kind of came from issues that arose over the years. And as you get, as you grow and you scale little problems, you know, when you're doing a hundred a month, problems that are tiny become big when you're doing a thousand a month Mm -hmm. and then problems at a thousand a month. That are tiny become big when you're doing 10,000 a month. And it's a, uh, we've continued to solve those problems, just kind of making our, our process more efficient and also catching more and more of the little things. Right. So we don't have to deal with them down the road. Yeah. Anyway, that was probably a roundabout winding answer. No, no, that's really, it's really But good. it makes
1: perfect sense.
3: Yeah. And, uh, what has been the public response to the kiosks? Yo, know, people love them and it's not just customers, it's dealers too. I think. We're simplifying the lives of everybody involved in NFA. Mm -hmm. And once you've been through the kiosk, you know, you buy, you come back and you buy a second one and the process literally takes a couple of minutes. You buy the silencer and instead of getting a kiosk code in your phone, you get the forms ready to sign generally while you're still talking to the sales guy. It's a, it really, really shines after the first time. Although it's, it's really smooth the first time too. It gets better.
2: What's the process on the back end for, for this, for this kiosk? And I mean like on the ATF side, actually. So right. uh, you send in the paperwork, check gets cash, then you wait forever and then it gets approved. But like, how is there anything on your side or the kiosk side or silencer shop at all that kind of helps the ATF deal with these things? Or is it just business as usual for them?
3: No, well, we do several things, you know, like for example, on every single application we submit to the ATF, we generate a unique, Credit card number to pay the tax stamp. So when the ATF clears that tax, when, when they use that credit card number, our system picks it up within a few seconds, notifies the customer, and we know that the ATF actually got the application. Because as a general rule, forms that get to the bank there, there's typically about a three to 5% loss rate. And that's part of what we're trying to deal with is that, is that loss rate where, you know, we'll look at everything in a box. As soon as they clear, if there's one that didn't, we just automatically reprint it and send it back in, Hmm. right? So there's no, you know, we're not sitting there waiting six months to say, oh, whoops, there was one that didn't show up. Yeah. yeah, We also put a barcode in every form to kind of speed it through data entry to the ATF. Instead of them manually typing stuff in, they just scan the barcode and and it pre-populates a lot of the information to reduce errors and kind of speed that process along as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that, that virtual card system, like that's like what all the big travel companies and all that stuff
3: uses. Yeah. Uh, yep. Very oh, impressive. it works really well.
2: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It allows easy tracking. That's actually very cool. How difficult was it to get the ATF's buy-in on, on that? <laughs> on the
3: kiosk?
2: Uh, on the barcodes and all that.
3: You know, the barcode, the, the ATF was really, really good to work with on that. They, they were open to the idea. I'd actually mentioned it to them about a year earlier, but I think all the stars aligned. We came in, we did it. It was a, it was a pretty simple project. And we just did a tour there last fall where they were kind of showing it in, in action. And it's, it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I, everyone I've talked to that's used it thinks it's the most amazing thing ever. Mm-hmm. It's just, you always think government bureaucracy. And I think people get like an undue opinion of the ATF a lot of times, I think generally. Um, yeah,
3: I'll tell you, the guys at the NFA branch are pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, uh, yeah they re- they're all good people. They're trying to do their job. Like they're stuck in a system that's antiquated. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would be nice if it were updated, but I think it's a, uh, you know, they've got what they've got. For sure.
2: Is there, Do you think there's uh, further things you can do with the kiosk system to help flow?
3: I, I do. In fact, we, we've got several ideas that <laughs> we're kind of working on right now, but it's a, uh, I, I hesitate to actually say them. <laughs> no problem.
2: Totally understand.
1: So let's say like a storefront, they want to have a kiosk. What are some of the ownership benefits?
3: Of the kiosk?
1: Yeah, aside from like making their lives much easier with paperwork and everything.
3: You know, it's really most dealers, heck, I would almost say all dealers, they get these kiosks and their sales just skyrocket. I mean, they, they'll go from selling Let's say a dealer that's selling five a month, they get the kiosk in the store and all of a sudden they're selling 20 to 25 a month. It's, it's a giant difference because it's simpler for them. You know, you'll get a lot of guys in those stores, you know, they'll spend an hour, hour and a half on every form four, which takes them away from customers and the customers prefer kind of the streamlined process as well. So you draw more customers in and the customers that are there tend to move through more efficiently. So you're not losing sales.
1: Mm How many would you say are within the U.S. right now?
3: You know, this is a little bit of a guess because I don't, I don't track it super closely. Elliot may know, but I think it's about it's between six and seven hundred. If I had to say, okay, wow, Do you know how many kiosks are out? That's actually that, that's really
2: cool, and I love to see stuff like that. That that kind of and it, it it truly is innovation. A lot of people say we want to see innovation in the in the gun world, and then someone will innovate something, and everyone just poops it. But this is like, yeah, this true innovation, true innovation, like uh, using technology to make things better.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I I love those stories because I too have an IT background. So um, any, any kind of stuff like this is just, is just great.
1: All right. So let's talk about publishing standards. So you have some videos on your site uh, where you test stuff and it, it doesn't always jive with published numbers by manufacturers. Let's talk about that.
3: You know, I I think a lot of the, the, there are several things to keep in mind with that. One is, a lot of the manufacturer numbers, I, I don't know how to say it, they're relative, right? So, so they come out with a can that's quieter than their previous can, so they essentially just put a lower number on it. And, and, and over time, it kind of starts to distort the numbers. The other thing to keep in mind is like, even when we test, like, we'll test the same can on two or three different days and get different numbers every time, but stuff like humidity makes a gigantic difference. The number you really have to look at the test done on the same day like the head- to head type stuff it's hard to get real numbers that that aren't like that yeah
2: I think I mean the way I say it is pretty much all the numbers are made up and you just kind of have to hear it for yourself uh, yeah and the videos definitely help with that do you what do you, what do you think about that like do you think that there's a solution for that like a standard or I really can't think of one personally, but do you think that there's something that the entire industry could adopt, like maybe Sammy or something like that, where everyone kind of tests on the same level playing field, or is it just too subjective due to altitude? You know, and-
3: I, to me, I think the solution would be, you think of like the uh, the crash test rating type stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. you've got a third party company that's in a, you know, a controlled environment that's putting out the ratings that are actually comparable in the case of the suppressor industry, you'd have to deal with stuff like humidity, heat, and have it be, you know, if you could replicate the same environment every single time you tested and then, you know, basically charge for that, I guess, you know, because nobody's going to do it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, it, this really is a small industry. So that what I'm talking about would be a pretty big investment for somebody. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, I agree. How do you guys deal with that? Like, I mean, clearly there's... Uh, suppressor companies, uh, you will list their stuff for sale at Silencer Shop. They'll provide some numbers. You guys test them. There may be other numbers. There may not be other numbers. Uh, you may test it. You may not test it. Kind of. How, how do you guys as a company deal with that discrepancy if there is one?
3: Yeah, I think a lot of times it really comes down to, we just provide the data. We don't try to interpret it, right? As far as the, uh, you know, let, let's say we test a can and it tests way, way louder than the manufacturer says or quieter. It can go either direction. Mm-hmm. We kind of put the numbers out there. We try to test multiple things on the same day. So you can kind of see how it compares to other things in a similar class, but it's, uh, it, other than just putting the numbers out there, it's, it's hard to really, uh, say this one is quieter than that one. Although you can, to some extent say that, <laughs> definitely. but it's, uh, as far as the ones that are really close, once again, we just put the numbers out there and let people kind of look at them.
1: What brought about your individual testing standards?
3: You know, a lot of it was like, especially when Silencer Shop first started, there was so little data out there. Even how we do it is, has kind of, I guess, evolved over time. We try to get better and better at it. I think right now we're actually, we're getting pretty good and we've got pretty good equipment too, which also contributes.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know,
3: we, I've seen stuff come into this industry where it's like, you know, people use their iPhone to to sound meter it and put crazy <laughs> low numbers. It's like, yeah, that's that's just not real. Yeah, that but is. But it still can sometimes.
2: <laughs> that, that is pretty crazy. Uh, we are talking to Dave Matheny from Silencer Shop. We're going to take a quick break and hear from Hackett Equipment.
1: So just this past, uh, what was it, two days ago, I went to the range and about my brought my Hackett equipment, my uh, little Bertha bag. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because I was able to fit everything in that bag, yep. minus my long guns. But all of my handguns that I brought, ammo, targets, mag loader, I mean, just everything fit yeah. nicely in that bag.
2: Nice, organized. Yeah, uh, I didn't have
1: simple. to yeah, no, I didn't have to bring a bunch of stuff. It wasn't like my car was packed with a bunch of clutter. I'm telling you guys, you guys need to get this bag. It will simplify your life. They have a bunch of different sizes. Just go to hackitequipment.com. You see something you like, use the code gunfunny20 and that gets you 20% off. All right.
2: We're back with Dave. Now, Dave, I've got like so many questions and it's so it- tough, but have you ever had any uh, manufacturers just like really get mad about your testing and, and come after you or be mad at you or say bad things about your family, things like that?
3: <laughs> you yeah. know, we have had a couple of issues, even with manufacturers that we currently deal with. I mean, I probably can't go into details. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Uh, no one will hear it. <laughs> we, we have. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. Yeah, we we absolutely have had issues. But I mean, really, at the end of the day, we just we test it and we publish it.
2: That's, that's pretty yeah. great. Speaking in vague generalities, what's the best threat you've ever gotten?
3: <laughs> hey, you know, I'm not even sure I want to go that
1: far. <laughs> uh, Let's just put it, it this way. His dog has a dog. Exactly. No. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> His dog has a guard dog. Yep.
2: Uh, that, that is pretty awesome. So. The uh, the effects of like Hearing Protection Act and the, the Shush Act and just kind of all this stuff that's been uh, getting pushed. Do you think that it's had an effect on the suppressor industry and sales?
3: Yeah, I do. I and I think it's kind of a double. Uh, what's the right word? Maybe a both well, a positive and a negative effect. Right. I mm-hmm. think something like the HPA brings a lot of attention to the market. I think that will have a tendency to grow it. On the flip side, you know, you got into 2017, 2018 and everybody was, nobody was buying. Everybody was just waiting for it to pass. So that had a a pretty, pretty big negative impact on the market. Although it would have been awesome if it had passed. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. I mean, it really doesn't
2: make a whole lot of sense. Like uh, everyone always wants to look overseas for how we should do gun control in the United States, but then they clearly don't look overseas at England where suppressors are encouraged and
3: easy to get. I was in South Africa and we just went and picked up a silencer and used it. There was literally nothing to it at all. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine went on a safari and they were
2: like, Oh, we just need to go get you a suppressor real quick. Yeah. And it was, it was that easy. He just went and got one. And, uh,
1: that's crazy. Actually, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. It, well, in England, yeah, it's super easy to get apparently,
1: but not, you can't get knives. Or mean, you can't even have a butter knife <laughs> in England, <laughs> but you can-
2: get <laughs> It's considered courtesy, right? Like if you're going to shoot guns, you should be courteous and <laughs> they should be quiet and. It's something like that,
3: yeah. It's, it's a safety device, and they just don't look at it here like that here in the states.
1: Mm-hmm. So, how do you see the future changing if, like, the HPA and everything like that, if it gets passed?
3: You know, I personally, I think the thing that's the most likely to cause the HPA to pass is growing this market. So, I, I think as the market grows, the the lobbying resources for the industry will grow people's awareness of the industry will grow. And I think something like the HPA or to be honest, even something better than the HPA, because you should be able to buy a silencer just like you buy a flashlight. In mm-hmm. my personal opinion, it's I
1: agree.
3: it's just like that. It shouldn't even be, but be like buying a gun. Yeah. But it's a, uh, I think as the industry grows, I think our odds of passing something like the HPA will be very, very helpful. And I, and I think in some ways the HPA was, somewhat premature and brought negative attention to this market mm-hmm. that hopefully doesn't cause us problems, right? I mean, you look at regulation out there now that some politicians are focused on silencers, you know, there's a potential of the lobbying kind of going south on it, right? Or the, uh, or the laws is changing in a negative way. I, I kind of wish we'd had a couple more years of not being paid attention to.
2: Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that a hundred percent. When you, when you bought that very first one, it was a, a, just a disaster for you to kind of get the paperwork done and everything like that. And you were like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start silencer shop and we're going to be a clearinghouse for suppressors and things. And we're going to take care of all this difficult stuff. How steep of a learning curve did you have to, to get into suppressors in that world and like immerse yourself? Cause clearly you have to have a little bit of knowledge to
3: kind of get into it. Right. Right. You know, there, there was actually a pretty big learning curve and it's a, a lot of it was around. The process, even that first one I bought when I'm, you know, I was trying to get that paperwork filled out and the dealers basically said, Hey, you know what you do? You bought it, you do it yourself. And the second one, I bought exact same thing and I'd get an error letter and he's like, Hey, you fill out the paperwork, you fix it yourself.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: Okay. Thanks. <laughs> like, Crap.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm glad I'm paying you a hundred dollars. <laughs> What's that?
2: I tell him I'm glad I'm paying you a hundred dollars right? for nothing.
3: Yeah. Right. Right. That there was a big learning curve, but a lot of it was, you know, w- once you kind of get it figured out, it's not really overly complicated. A lot of it is just dealing with minutia. It's like filling out your taxes, right? It really is very comparable to that. Uh, huh. Gotta love bureaucracy. I know, right? Yeah.
1: So I'm kind of curious, like, what are some of your favorite silencers out there?
3: You know, I, I, I hesitate to to really...
1: I know. I was kind of thinking, <laughs> uh, I was debating asking you, but...
3: But I I will say a couple, a couple, there are some that are, that are really, I think some of the, I guess, industry leaders right now. I think you mentioned Kevin before. I think he makes some really, really good cans just in general. I think Dead Air's got some awesome models. So does, uh, so does Rugged. I mean, there's just a lot of good stuff out there right now. Mm -hmm. It's probably the best time. It's probably the best selection of silencers that I've ever seen. They, and they just keep getting better.
1: What a time to be alive. Yes,
3: it is.
2: (laughs) Speaking of time, doing the kiosk systems and kind of computerizing a lot of the stuff that you guys have done behind the scenes, especially with barcodes and all that, you've been able to pretty clearly at least predict or if not predict track ATF wait times, which I think is a pretty incredible service that you guys do provide to the public. Tell us about how that got started, how you implemented it, and uh, whether you think people appreciate it.
3: You know, I think people really, really do appreciate it. And it's, uh, really, I think a lot of that just came from, you know, we had the data. It's pretty simple to kind of crunch the numbers and throw them out. And it, it is possible to parse them in different ways. Like if we look at, I think we're currently, when we, when we look, do our predictions, we currently look at our approvals from the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to look at the numbers from the last month, for example, it probably changed the output, but it's, It it helps customers, but it also helps us because we kind of know when to expect stuff back, right? Mm -hmm. Allows you to kind of predict. Yes. And it also helps us to kind of see outliers more easily. Mm -hmm.
2: So I'm looking now, Form 4 e-files are running, looks like a little bit over 200 days, so...
3: Yeah, it's, they're getting, they're getting up there. I think that government shutdown did not help. No, yeah. I know people that were waiting for
2: SVR uh, stamps and tax stamps for suppressors and FFL renewals.
1: Yeah, everyone uh, got screwed. Yeah.
2: It, I kind of feel bad for the processors at the ATF because they come back to work and they're like, oh cool. Well, my life is terrible. <laughs> I had a yeah, nice little right. unpaid
1: vacation <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I get to come back to all this work. Exactly. What are some of the new product launches that you have coming up
3: as far as from suppressor companies? Or you, both actually. Yeah. You know, I, I think probably within the next few weeks, we'll bring our, our e-form one service back online. That'll probably be the biggest thing that we do, at least in the next couple of months. No, I can't really, as far as suppressor stuff, I'm not really sure of anything I can actually say because <laughs> most of it, you know, you go kind of into a dark period where you're not allowed to talk about it right before it launches. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: So tell us uh, from your perspective, what value does Silencer Shop provide to the general
3: public if you just kind of had to put it in a few sentences? You know, I I think really, I think we do a lot. And I think it's everything from the sale and backing up the sale to the management of the process, simplifying of the process. We we kind of cut through that whole everything NFA. I mean, we, we just try to improve it.
1: Yeah, definitely. What's kind of screwed up is I just kind of, I guess in the last couple of months received my SOT and, uh, I'm tempted just to go to a kiosk.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got your SOT, sign up as a dealer. We'll just send you stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. But it's, it, I mean, I could understand though, the paperwork and everything on both ends just can be daunting.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, honestly, the cans that I have, uh, one of my friends was an SOT and he's like, yeah, I'll just take care of everything. So I literally just, Gave him my my stuff and he filled it all out, took care of all of it. And then my can showed up a year later or my my stamp, I guess, showed up a year later. But he made it easy. But I think just for the general public, it's tough and it's confusing. And I think when something is deemed as confusing,
1: they
3: resist it. So I yeah. love the kiosk.
1: Yep, absolutely.
3: But and I- Post-41F, so in mid-2016, things really did change. They, a lot of complexity was added to it that really wasn't there before. You know, you start dealing with fingerprints. Is your photo within a year? I mean, a lot of stuff like that that just wasn't there before 2016. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the wait
2: times just a couple of minutes ago, and it seems like the e-file is coming back faster than just the form four individual paper, which I think we would all expect. But do you do you see that number coming down more as they either catch up with backlog or just get better at the new system?
3: Yeah, the Basically for, for e-forms right now, the only forms that really matter to customers that go into e-forms are form ones and form threes. Form threes, they've got that down to almost instantaneous and form ones are very, very fast as well. I, I think the form fours it's hard to really predict, but I, from everything I see and hear from ATF, I suspect they're at least a year out hmm. before those form fours hit the market. And I, I think that actually may be. Basically being optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm
2: suddenly so depressed. Um, <laughs> and then with all the changes that you talked about just a couple of minutes ago, what do you think is the best way for a person to do it now? Trust, individual, like what do you guys recommend?
3: You know, I, I think the, the best way to buy a silencer is, is we've got a single shot trust and I think of every way you could register, I think that is the, the best way to do it. And you, you basically, instead of having a family trust with all your people on it, that you keep adding silencers to you get a separate trust every single time you buy a silencer, right? It's less expensive. It's faster. Your stuff goes through as fast as if it were an individual. And then when it gets approved, you just write the additional trustees onto the, onto the addendum form and they can have possession. It's actually a really cool setup. Very cool. I love it.
1: And then where can people find a kiosk? Uh,
3: you know, if you go to our website and go to the dealer finder, it's a, it's pretty easy to sort. Put in your zip code, see kiosks in your area. You can even see sales volumes. We basically have badges for for dealer levels on there, so you can see who does who does more, who has a kiosk. It's it's pretty easy to find them. Very cool.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It is. All right, that is awesome. Are you going to stick around with us for a bit? Sure. Okay. Awesome. Just remind us uh, before we move on into the next segment. Where can people find everything that you do online and keep up with all the cool stuff that you guys are doing? Okay.
3: I I think if you go to Facebook or Instagram, we we put a lot on there. Okay. Fantastic. And
2: silencershop.com. That's right. For everyone else. All right. Very cool. Uh, I love this stuff and uh, I think you guys are doing great work. So I'm super, uh, super happy to talk to you. All right. All right, Ava. That was much longer audio than I meant to play.
1: Yeah, I know. I looked over, and you were freaking out, and I was like, "It's all right. It's cool. It's a cool song."
2: Yeah, I like it. It's a good jam. Yeah, I, I dance to it.
1: Hmm. So, Q, Let's talk about the mini fix.
2: All right, tell so, me. Tell me things.
1: Oh uh, well, it comes in two two four Valkyrie, which you have a little bit of experience with that.
2: I kind of do. I like it. So their barrel is a one one and six twist. That's what good. my barrel is in as well. I I kind of like two two four Valkyrie. Like I realize it's kind of a a hipster thing and I wanted one and I did it and I've shot it out to a little bit of distance, 500. Yeah. I I definitely enjoy it. So what, what other calibers does this
1: come in? I think 300 blackout is coming soon. Okay. Very cool.
2: So yeah. The 224 Valkyrie and the mini fix runs about twenty nine ninety nine. And also, I mean, we're talking to silencer shop. They've got a lot of suppressors out there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So you can go check those out.
1: Very cool. So hey. go to live Q or diet.com.
2: Yep, and they also sponsor our Knowledge Bomb segment.
0: Dropping wisdom. Slinging truth. Prepare yourself for Knowledge Bomb.
1: All right. So in 1954, a famous rhythm and blues singer, Johnny Ace, died after jokingly pointing a gun towards himself and accidentally shooting himself with it. His last words were, it's okay. Gun's not loaded. See?
2: Yeah, true. Why Uh, do
1: I feel like this happens though more often than not?
2: Yeah, I know. Just silliness and people mishandling guns. So apparently it was something that he did pretty often. He carried a little 32 caliber revolver with him wherever they went. Uh, he would sometimes shoot roadside signs out of the car window as they would drive by.
1: No, oh, that's really smart.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then he would play with it and kind of just chuck it around in his hands uh, backstage and before and after shows and things. And yeah, he was just doing it, and the band said, "Hey, knock it off." And he said, "It's okay, gun's not loaded." See, pointed it at himself with a smile on his face, and bang—that was that was the end. So pretty sad. Had a pretty bright future. I uh, just bought a nineteen what fifty-five car. Uh, brand new car right off the lot that day, and this happened just a few hours later, so pretty sad. And just a reminder, be safe. And
1: don't get complacent. Don't get complacent, absolutely. Next, uh John Moses Browning not only designed the M1911 handgun, but also the M250 caliber machine gun, the bar automatic rifle, the 1887 lever action shotgun, the auto 5 semi-auto shotgun, the Winchester 1894 lever action, and so many other designs and calibers.
2: Yes, our, our Lord and Savior, John Moses Browning, he did invent a lot of stuff, but also a bunch of cartridges like the 50 BMG, the 45 ACP, the 380 ACP. Uh, he was a very Crazy. prolific inventor and, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that exists now exists because of him. 1911, the high power, uh, and the BAR. So just very, very good stuff. I highly encourage anyone out there to go look at his Wikipedia page and just realize what a legacy he left behind mm-hmm. with his inventions, patents. And everything else that he did for the arms industry in the United States. Definitely. And overseas. A lot of stuff with FN as well. All All right. right. That'll do it for Knowledge Bomb. All
1: right, let's talk about Matador
2: Arms. So I have a funny story. Uh I went, I've been going to the range a lot, and I was just there and we had two 1022s. We had mine and uh my co host on WLS, Nick, was there as well. And we were shooting his, and then he picked up mine to shoot uh one of the suppressors, the Biddy by Bowers group. And he, as he ejected the mag, he's like, oh, what magazine release is this? And I was like, oh, it's Matador Arms. And he's like, oh, this is way better than mine. (laughs) I just thought that was actually pretty cool. So it's a pretty, it's super easy to put in, super inexpensive and all available at matadorarms.com. It's just the 1022 mag release.
1: And then use the code gunfunny10 and that gets you 10% off. They also sponsor our prank calls. They do. They do. It's time for prank Cause with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey.
0: Thanks for choosing to help
2: you. Uh, yes, hello, Josh. This is Malcolm. I was calling in today. <laughs> I was reading in a magazine over the weekend. And I saw that uh, they were recommending crossbows for self defense, and I was just wondering which one you might recommend him.
0: that a crossbow? Yeah, yes. Uh, let me pay a hold just a minute. let me get you a, a bow guy.
2: Oh, okay. I thought I pressed the button for. But... Oh.
0: oh yeah, I'm the one who picked up the phone. I'm out. My bad.
2: <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, let, let me take a hold just a minute. Thanks.
0: Closer. Yes. Hello. So I just talked to them, and uh, pretty much anyone will will do you. These are all gonna work about the same uh I got a 10 point like I would probably go with the yeah, make sure I get the name i am probably go with the carbon Express pile driver because it's all set up with everything you need on there already to okay. find the price on it
2: what what kind of features does it have that would be good for self-defense that's I'm just trying to figure out like is this really a thing or is this article just messing with so uh
0: can you pass a background check for a crossbow uh, you don't need a, a background check for a crossbow well that's a weird question and, then well I'm saying I would go with a gun then. <laughs> Gu- personally but if if you couldn't then i would and crossbow is kind of one year only
2: option. oh I, I could pass but, a background check but guns terrify me i'm i, I definitely realize that i need to defend myself but a crossbow seems like it would probably be ideal if it's good enough for a deer it's good enough for an attacker is
3: what i always say
0: i got you yeah so uh <laughs> yeah i got the the carbon express blade i got it for 309 i mean so i'm just i don't really think about them for Defense a whole lot, I and mean, a crossbow is kind of a crossbow is a crossbow, but okay.
2: Well, I figure if you need yeah. more than one bolt, you, you've messed up, right? Yeah, pretty
0: much. I mean, if it's in a defense situation, once you've missed, you've missed. <laughs> all right, thank you very much, I pre- <laughs> What was the name
2: of it one more time? Again? What was the name of the crossbow?
0: Sorry, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Let me walk away from uh, all the noise. Could you say that one more time?
2: What was the name of the crossbow? Oh, it was the Carbon Express Blade. Okay, thank you very much. You're a very nice young man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Take it easy
1: okay that guy didn't know anything i know so
2: dave have you ever considered you know carrying crossbows and silencing accessories for crossbows
3: <gasps> sorry what was that i'm sitting here laughing
2: <laughs> did you ever consider uh silencers for crossbows on the site i think it's a market that's untapped you know what?
3: I, I think it's underserved <laughs> it is underserved oh, that i'm thing. just i'm just Good laughing carry crossbows maybe the next thing honestly all right yeah <laughs> Oh, gosh. That
1: poor kid. He's probably like, I don't know, man. I'm just here to work at the gun shop. <laughs> he's like, like, I don't know anything about these. Yeah. He's
2: like, I don't really care. And you're dumb. <laughs> but as usual, very, very nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Everyone that we prank is always really nice.
2: uh I know. It's it's pretty good.
1: All right. Polymer 80.
2: Yeah. So I'm actually getting ready to build another one. This is just going to be the PF940 V2. I That's got funny
1: because I'm building the same thing. You are? Yeah. So I woke up this morning and best day ever, because I got an email from Palm Rady with all the stuff that they're sending me, like the Kedon and the PF940V2, but a green frame. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. I, where do they sell the green frames?
1: I don't know. Dang. But they're sending me a green one. And all I know is green goes really well with my eyes. So Very cool. Yeah.
2: It's it's important to fashion uh, accessorize. You
1: have no idea.
2: Uh, clearly, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> but you are—you're actually going to build one on camera, right? Yeah, I'm
2: going to build you one mean? on camera this week and uh, publish it on YouTube, and then YouTube will take it down, and I'll publish it on GunStreamer.
1: That's so cool. Yeah,
2: it'll be cool. But anyway, polymer80.com. There is a coupon code.
1: Gun funny. Get okay. you 10% off.
2: It does. It does. And that brings us to some tactic talk. Tactic talk.
0: Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it. Hate
3: it. Find out now.
1: So Dave, have you ever shot a 50 cal? I'm sure I
3: never have. Nope.
1: Oh, really? I'm here I'm like assuming I'm like eh, everyone in the gun industry has and <laughs> well, and I, I... I know.
3: And I, I always think that but I never have.
1: I just recorded a video, and by the time this episode comes out, I should have published it. But my dad in the video—he let me shoot his Barrett 50 cal, and he says that it's my first time shooting a 50. I have shot a 50. I think I've shot actually full auto 50, but it was attached to something. Yeah. (laughs) So this was the first time that I actually did it, where you know, I like shouldered the gun and it it's it's actually kind of a funny video because i wanted to shoot this little easter egg and my dad's like you're not going to shoot that like all right look just just aim it over there and you know and pull the trigger <laughs> and, and i ended up actually shooting the easter egg and he was really surprised but you can see in the video there's a ton of it looks like i basically get whiplash <laughs> like every time i pull the trigger it's kind of funny i did shoulder it and it had recoil but i guess it didn't have as much recoil as i thought and then I actually thought that I handled it like a pro. And then the next day I was like, man, working out like for whatever reason, like this, you know, this arm, I think I worked out this arm more than I worked out this arm because this one hurts. And then I realized like, oh, a little bit of my collarbone kind of hurts. And yeah, it was from the,
2: yeah, the 50 it's, a, it's a brutal and punishing beast. And I was actually looking at silencer shop and you have several of the 50 caliber cans as well.
1: I wonder, I they, wonder, they work
2: pretty well. Uh, I've actually shot a couple 50, uh, suppressed. Huh. And they're, they're pretty awesome. Do you guys sell a lot of those? Do you think, or is it, you
3: know, it it's pretty low volume? Yeah, Seriously, we sell a handful a month, but man, those things are gigantic. <laughs> I know it, it cracks me up every time I see one. You're like, what, what is that? Is it like an umbrella? I, I uh-huh. they
2: they are big, but yeah, uh, you guys have a lot of large bore stuff actually, maybe not 50, but do you sell a lot of the other stuff for a lot of competition possibly, or even, um, law enforcement or military stuff?
3: You know that the, the volume kind of drops off after you get past thirty cal, but well, we sell quite a few for three thirty-eight um Lapua. But the volume drops off a lot once you get past thirty cal.
2: Yeah, definitely makes sense. I, I always wondered what the traffic was for like big bore suppressors. Mm-hmm. I do have a uh four fifty eight can that I use on my four fifty eight SOCOM and my four fifty Bushmaster and it works really well. Oh yeah. I I love because, you know, it's really loud and as Ava was shooting the fifty cal like the the side blast.
1: Yeah, you guys were standing in the wrong spot. No,
2: I was standing directly over your shoulder to the left because I've been next to a 50 and I don't want to be. But the cans.
1: Well, it says in my video, Nick's like, I think I chose the wrong spot to stand. I chose poorly. Yeah.
2: But yeah, even the 458 and the 450, just freaking awesome with a can on.
1: I mean, it was fun to shoot. I just don't think, I don't know. I think it gets to a, a point where it's like, it's so big that it really is like novelty. And you can only shoot so many rounds before you're like, all right. Yeah. I need I need a hot bath. <laughs>
2: I actually I
1: get <laughs> in. <laughs> I do
2: have a fifty on the way, uh fifty caliber rifle, so I can't wait to get that in. Huh. It's gonna it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna shoot everything with it.
1: Well that's cool. Well then I'll have to shoot it again. Yeah,
2: exactly. It'll be it'll be pretty great.
1: Anyways, I did think that the it shot well. The Barrett was built well, but I I don't really have much to compare it to because yes. I've only shot full auto and it was attached to to like a jeep at the time so
2: honestly barrett is pretty much the standard yeah so y- you picked a good one for you
1: for my first time for your first time yep <laughs> huh, yay yeah
2: <laughs> all right it's time for some itunes reviews and we're just about ready to wrap up so itunes reviews if you haven't left us one go leave us one we really appreciate it also facebook same mm-hmm. thing you can go to the gun funny page and uh, leave us reviews there and i guess i'll read them so stone rm57 says five stars i thought i would hate it can across this podcast by accident and thought I would hate it. I thought, gun funny, what the hell could this be? But I gave it a listen anyway. And I must say I'm glad I did. I know of Sean from other podcasts and typically don't find him funny.
1: Huh. But with
2: Ava on the show, it, actually, it is actually funny and entertaining. They have Aww. great interviews and play well off of each other. It's also nice to hear the New York accent from Ava. It's always nice to hear a fellow New Yorker love the show. Aww. Yeah, that's so sweet.
1: Go Us New Yorkers, ahead. we got to stick together. Go to hell. <laughs>
2: Ohio Flyer, five stars, GunFunny 074. Ava, your GunFunny podcast just keep getting better. In GF74, your personal discussion with Michael Cedini of Eagle Imports about his motivation and support for his Walk the Talk America Foundation was a striking insight into his commitment to make a difference in the issues surrounding mental health.
1: I know. I was like, wow, winded.
2: With your calm and personable interview style, you put people at ease and brings about a deeper and more impactful dialogue. I learned a great deal from this episode. Thank you. Additionally, clever idea bringing bring on your Patreon, Tate, in Sean's absence. He has well-spoken and did a great job supporting the show, especially when taking one for the team. Team on the prank call all the best in 2019 friends in Ohio and then hair skin five stars binge listening I found gun funny on a road trip I listened to the first 20 episodes while driving the prank calls are awesome great guests keep up the great work that's 20 hours
1: dude I know that's what I was just thinking I was like (laughs) that's some road trip
2: unless you put it at like 1.5 speed and then it's 15 (laughs) hours still a lot still a lot so thank you to those people who've left reviews and Dave we always have our guest pick the winner for our giveaway for the review. So which one of those do you think has earned the right to get a free thing?
3: Yeah, I think the the guy who mentioned the New York
2: accent. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Stone RM57. Get in touch with us.
1: And we are actually, we're going to send you out a lone wolf a disconnector, a, a trigger. Uh, yeah, the
2: ghost disconnector.
1: Connector. I don't, is it a disc? It's a connector. We don't even have it written down. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> um, it, but it, it's cool. It goes on your trigger and, uh, it does all the things and it's really cool.
2: It's actually a cool little, they're not cheap either or inexpensive, so it, yeah. it is a good giveaway. We just don't have it written down in the show notes. Cause. Yeah,
1: but contact us and we're, we're going to send you out one of those from Lone Wolf. <laughs> exactly. And all right. thank you, Lone Wolf, for supplying us with those. Absolutely.
2: Start wrapping this thing up. Uh, there's a place you can go, gunfunny.com. That's where you can find all of our posts, podcasts, where to subscribe, uh, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Twitter, all that good stuff, and also a link to become a Patreon and Patreon is just a way for listeners to support the show. They help us do things like hire a fantastic editor and publisher by the name of Kenny Ortega. Kenny. You, you may recognize his name. He's doing a great job and we couldn't do it without the Patreons. $25 Patreons, Ava. Who are those? Oh, I get to do it. <laughs> Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888 Charger Arms, Ryan Morrison. You do the rest.
1: John Snow, Kevin Brinningham, Nathan Keck, 2A Jewels.
2: And the king of the Patreons is Michael Alexu.
1: And he wants us to just talk about our NRA party. Dave, are you going to the NRA? NRA annual meeting?
3: Yep, I'll be there.
1: Cool. So you should come to our party, which is going to be that Saturday. And, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of prizes to give away, just a lot of cool industry people. It's going to be, uh, taking place at a brewery.
2: Yep. The Sun and King Brewery. It'll be Saturday night at 6.30 PM.
1: And then the party ends at 10 PM. Want, want, want.
2: Well, the party never ends when you're with us. but
1: Yeah, I mean, but at that place. Yeah, at that place. Then we'll have to go. And then that's when we get like really turnt up. Yeah, that's when
2: we have to get really belligerent somewhere <laughs> else. So it's always a good time. Can't wait to see all the listeners that come out for that. And uh TACPAC giveaway.
1: Yeah. So if you guys want to enter to win, uh go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP. Or if you want to, if you can't wait and you want to get yours today, just go to TACPAC.com make sure you use that code gunfunny and you'll get a free SOG tool.
2: Very cool. And Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for everything you guys are doing. Uh, just having that place where you guys publish your own videos and they kind of show what your results are, even whether they differ or don't differ. I think having that kind of unbiased input is extremely value f- valuable for us as consumers, as well as the kiosks and everything else. So thank you for everything you're doing and remind everyone where they can find you guys online. Yeah, it's SciWeltershop.com and uh, thanks for having us on the show. Absolutely. Been an absolute pleasure. Ave, you got anything else? Uh no. All right. Well will, we will talk to all you listeners next week.
1: Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else? Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>